staff, and management. Welcome to Straight Talk with Sandra Reich. Are you trying to master the game of life without success? There are secrets and strategies to living your best life. We'll share some of them with you on today's show. Take advantage of this series to become an expert at relationships. All relationships. It's time to live the life that you deserve to live. Now, here's your host, Sandra Reich. Welcome to Straight Talk with Sandra Reich, a show about living your very best life. Every week, we try to talk about something or an issue that could prevent you or help you to live your very best life. And we always invite you to join the conversation. You can call us at 1-866-472-5792. You can email us, email us at info at helpforanxietydepression.com or feel free to text at 1-514-796-4357. Today, one of the most important topics about living your best life is how to really live your dreams, but the serious hardcore version, meaning the fact that you have a dream And often, if not almost always, you will face obstacles. Obstacles seem to be part of the package. And yet, as we grow up, we're not taught that. As a matter of fact, we watch the Olympics and we watch our favorite superstars and movie stars and we see people at the finish line. And we have this illusion that we just will have a dream and we'll just do step one, step two, step three, step four. And we'll get what we want. And it's really, really a disservice that we buy into the image of people as opposed to hearing their backstories. How did they get to the finish line? And what were some of the hard hits that they faced along the way? So I, you know, I, I thought about this topic. I thought a lot about my own life, which um, had a lot of obstacles. And I'm very famous for saying that I turned a lot of my lemons into lemonade. It really made a big difference for me. I went into the field of helping people um, with a lot of problems because I had faced a lot of problems. So as I overcame them, I was able to help others. Uh, But there were a lot of obstacles along the way. And I think that we need to really tell people the truth. And I met... Stephanie Erickson about, I think it's about a year ago. Um, I met her and she told me her story and I loved her story. Um, Let me tell you a little bit about her. First of all, she is a social worker, a family caregiving expert and host. She's a regular contributor to breakfast television here in Canada, as well as additional television and radio programs throughout the U S and Canada. She runs a clinical practice, the Erickson Resource Group, and she co-owns a video production company called This Matters to Me Media that focuses on business storytelling. Now, here's a really interesting part. Stephanie hosts and produces her own web series on YouTube and spends her free time on the flying trapeze. Now, let me, let me put this all together before we welcome her. Is When I met Stephanie, she told me, that she had suffered terrible anxiety. And almost in the same sentence, she was telling me about going on the flying trapeze. And I was like, whoa, what are we talking about here? So let's find out what's going on and how Stephanie took a situation in her life, anxiety that was very difficult, and turned her lemons into lemonade. First of all, welcome to the show, Stephanie. Thanks, Sandra, so much for having me. I'm so happy to have you here because... I don't know if you were on the phone yet when we were talking about the fact that we often see people at the finish line and we don't see the journey. And I think it's a disservice for people to not realize that there are obstacles. And sometimes you have to find twists and turns. And the dream you first had is not always the dream you end up with. Do you agree? I I completely agree. And as you were saying that, Sandra, I couldn't help but think of Demi Lovato. Okay, and now I know her. she also has mental health issues, but here's an example where you see someone who seemingly is successful, has money, has friends, uh, apparently family, and then yet she falls into drug abuse, she overdoses, she's in the hospital. So even when you're at the so-called finish line, there are still struggles and challenges. And I think it's important for all of us to be open about that and reveal that and be vulnerable because that, that is what life is. And to think it's otherwise, 
I think it would be really harmful. Well, I really, I, I think that's a really great point is you bring up the fact that not only is the journey to the finish line, but even the finish line is part of the journey. I love that example. And that's so true. I remember as a young girl telling my father my dreams and I was like, okay, I'm going to do this at this age and I'm going to get, get married at this age. I'm going to travel across Europe at that age. And he smiled and he said to me, it's really great that you have this plan, but you're not considering that there, it doesn't work out always according to plan. Um, has that been true for you and some of the dreams that you've had? I think so. And I think for me, the real difference now in terms of my functioning is that I have a level of internal happiness that I've been able to find in everyday moments. And so that makes the going after the bigger dreams in terms of career and stuff it's not that it's not as important, but in a lot of ways, I don't put as much weight on those kinds of things because I'm able to find so much happiness just within my regular everyday running to the grocery store, you know, doing homework with the kids life. And I think that's what has really helped me more than anything. Well, that also is a very important piece of the pie because the moment you did that, you uh, you weren't hooked into your external reality. You were okay no matter what. And everything becomes easier when you do something like that. So it, that's a paradigm shift because most people get very hooked into their external reality or their external dream. Uh, from what I understand, your dream was to host. Is that right? Yeah, I want to be, and it still is, I want to be a full-time Host. I, I'm already in the media world as a guest, and I really enjoy that. And I do my own original content in which I host and interview people. But uh, to be very honest with you, I want my own TV show, and I want to be the host of that show. I, I don't mind other panelists and other people being a part of it, but I really do want my own show where I'm able to drive the topics and the guests and such. And that is what I'm continuing to work towards. I think that this show is evolving itself into almost some strategies there because I all, you mentioned not getting hooked into externals. And here you're also showing how extremely clear you are on what you want. Even as I asked you the question, very clear mandate on what you want. And I remember when I met you, I don't know if you remember when we met about a year ago, um, and you were telling me that you, you wanted to be on Dancing with the Stars, and I'm a huge fan of Dancing with the Stars. And I've seen you've made videos about this. They're just fabulous like you're very clear on what you want yeah and I mean the dancing with the stars I really do want to be on that show I'm not saying that I don't but getting on that show will be a reflection of where I am in terms of my I guess credibility as a host my recognition as a host because you don't get on that show as a celebrity unless you are like a celebrity dancer unless you are a well it's like a an uh, S-level celebrity, G-level celebrity. It's not A, B, or C. Right. But, right. Um, <laughs> and that, but then that would show that, that I've made it to where I want to be. If I end up on that show, then I have made it as a host. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you know, I love the way you have that in your mind and you're going for it. Where it gets very interesting for me when I met you, one of the things that I was very fascinated about is that you told me that you suffered from debilitating anxiety. That So that had to have been a little bit of a wrinkle in the plan to be a host. Well, yes. And actually, first, I'm going to say that I don't use the word suffer. I use the word that I live with anxiety. And it's a very deliberate shift that I've made in my language. Um, And that takes me back several years um, to a TEDx talk that I did about that subject of of shifting the words that I use to describe my experiences made a big difference in the way I was feeling. Um, But I have had pretty significant anxiety since I, I mean, since uh, stories that I'm told when I was two or three years old and things that I remember starting at around five or six, um, you know, I've had peaks and valleys and I guess at the worst moment, you know, a little bit of agoraphobia, not a little bit, I had agoraphobia, unable to leave the home. There's been moments of a real pivotal moment when I finally reached for help, reached out for help because I had almost thrown myself out of a moving car. I had the thoughts to do that. And I wasn't suicidal, by the way, Sandra. I just was so uncomfortable in my skin with the, like, burning in my body from the anxiety that I wanted to make it stop. I I did want to still be alive, but I didn't know how to do it. 
And that was the moment wow. that I reached out for help. But it, there, it's been um, pretty significant, my anxiety, and I still have it. I still have it. I had some today. Wow. Um, so you talk about a pivotal moment. I'm definitely going to want to talk about that with you. But it seems that even what you're mentioning, uh, the language that you use in your head, which is really very psychological, actually, is that the story we tell ourselves is who we become. So even not saying the word that you suffer anxiety, but that you live with your anxiety. So instead of sort of being victimized by it, sort of looking for the empowerment in it. And we're going to take a short break. But when we come back, I mean, your story of how you used your anxiety to empower yourself is nothing short of inspirational. So we'll take a short break and we'll be right back with Stephanie Erickson on Straight Talk with Sandra Reich. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Join the therapist who is affectionately known as the couple whisperer, Sandra Reich, on her famous couple retreats and change your life forever. Sandra offers couple retreats in beautiful locations several times a year that can radically change your love life. Couples describe her retreats as life-changing. Regain that loving feeling. Bring your intimacy to a new level and rediscover excitement and joy. Find out more at HelpForAnxietyDepression.com or call 514-796-4357. We all want love and safety. Now you can have it. Call 514-796-4357 or HelpForAnxietyDepression.com. Change your life forever with the latest cutting-edge products for home study treatment for anxiety. Featuring the clinical director of the Montreal Center for Anxiety and Depression and host of Straight Talk, Sandra Reich. Sandra is joined by top therapist Georgia Dow in this revolutionary anxiety videos therapy series. Thousands of people have benefited from this scientifically proven treatment approach. Isn't it time you chose yourself? Visit anxiety-videos.com right now. That's anxiety-videos.com and change your life forever. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to Straight Talk with Sandra Reich. To connect with the program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to info at helpforanxietydepression.com. Now, back to Straight Talk. Here's Sandra Reich. So we're back on Straight Talk with Sandra Reich talking about living your dreams in spite of obstacles, and one of the big ones that shows up for people in terms of obstacles is often fear, fear of, you know, being humiliated, uncomfortable, um, difficult situations. And I'm talking to Stephanie Erickson, and we were just talking about a pivotal moment in her life where the anxiety got so bad that although she didn't feel suicidal, she was so uncomfortable in her body that the idea of, like, just getting out of that horrible anxiety was overwhelming. So I'm curious the pivotal moment when you reached out for help, Stephanie, what was that all about? Yeah, I um, realized that, I mean, honestly, that, that was, in hindsight, that was my first panic attack. Um, prior to that, I've been having a lot of symptoms of anxiety, but I didn't know it at the time. The time that I, that moment where I was going to throw myself out of a car, I mean, I was already in my late 20s. So you wow. can imagine that for so many years, I did not realize that what I was feeling was anxiety. I was just engaged in a lot of uh, harmful behaviors. I smoked a lot of pot. I, mean, I tried everything, and I didn't realize that I was trying to deal with anxiety. So the, after that moment when I wanted to throw myself out of the car, I went and, and uh, saw a physician who then sent me to... Um, a psychiatrist, I got on some medication and then started therapy and realized, oh, this has been anxiety this whole time. I thought I had a drug problem and and it wasn't really a drug problem. It was more of masking or trying to um, cope with anxiety. Um, Not that I'm encouraging anyone to do that as a way to cope because clearly it was ineffective, but that just kind of started me on the path of self-reflection, understanding the symptoms of anxiety, how it felt in my body, and trying to understand what the particular triggers are for me. 
Yeah. Well, that, you know, that, that, that can really change everything and uh, discussing almost self-medicating, which many of us do when we're uncomfortable and people do it with pot, but people do it by working too much. People do it by watching too much TV. There's lots of ways people do self-medicate. And it sounds like a shift for you was really looking the anxiety in the face. So I'm curious when you started to do that, coupled with the fact that you wanted to host? And I guess that's maybe a preliminary question I have to ask you is, did you always know that you wanted to host? No, I did not. In fact, it didn't happen until much later in my career. I was a, I still am a clinical social worker and had several different businesses throughout my life as a social worker. And about three years ago, I had a random call from somebody who had a podcasting online service not Voices of America, another one, <laughs> um, and suggested that I start a podcast. And up until that point, I didn't really know what media was. I mean, I knew like anybody else, but not in terms of my work. Uh, I had done lots of presentations related to my job and that I enjoyed doing, but I never really thought about media. And once I started the podcast and realized how much I enjoyed interviewing in that sense, I mean, I interview as a clinical social worker all the time, but in the media sense, And then I just kind of started pitching TV stations and then I started getting on TV and I started realizing, wow, I really like this. I'm good at it. It's incredibly creative, unlike my regular day-to-day job. And uh, this is something I'd like to pursue. Okay. So you decide you want to pursue it, but you're also suffering for, sorry, not suffering, living with anxiety. How do the two impact each other? Well, as you can imagine, before you go on anything live, live TV, live radio, whatever it might be, you definitely start to get a bit nervous. Um, To be honest with you, Sandra, I never really questioned or felt concerned about my goals as a, uh, my uh, skills as a clinician, because my role on TV is as a caregiving expert. And I never thought, oh, maybe I'm not good enough in terms of as, as a caregiving expert. That I never had doubt about. But what what I do have difficulty with still is will I mess up, what's going to happen, um, and trying to rein in those nerves of what will happen if I mess up on live TV. You get one shot. If I do mess up, will they ask me to come back? Is this going to be the end of it? Because on media, things live forever. It's not the same yeah. as if you have a bad session with a client one time. <laughs> Nobody's recording right. it, you know? Right, right, right. Yeah, so, you know, this is exactly, I guess, one of the points that I want to get out there is that in theory, and most people might have said to themselves, you know, this is just costing me too much. I get stressed out every time. It's, you know, it's on live TV. Things can go wrong. You may not be asked back. All your fears could easily come true. How did you make your peace with that? I think it goes back to the flying trapeze. That that activity for me, and it's, it's really a, 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 tr- a training at this point because I'm heavily involved in it. I've performed even in a professional show once last summer. So it's become more than wow. just like, oh, I'm going to take a spin class. No, this is like a real thing for me. And that uh, has really changed my life because it puts me in these scariest situations all the time. I am very afraid when I'm flying as well as I should be. You need to have a healthy fear when you're doing that kind of a sport because you can get injured. But I have way above and beyond what my flying partners and friends have. Um, But what happens is that every time when I'm afraid, I've had to come up with all sorts of verbal internal messages that I say to myself, mantras, you could say, to help me move past and move through the fear. Instead of having it paralyze me and climbing back down and refusing to do it, I've had to talk my way through it. And I've had to lean on other people and open up to them about how I'm feeling and giving them some tips of how to help me when I'm in those paralyzing moments standing on the platform or my coach helping me. And so I've been able to transfer all of those experiences into other areas of my life. And then I'm just functioning better overall. Okay, so there's a lot there that I want to talk about because, firstly, um, a lot of people, 
again, with the discomfort, our natural tendency is to want to avoid discomfort. There's something about you where, and this is what I try to teach my kids and my clients, is to stretch a little bit into the fear. So before I get into that, I guess uh, an important thing to find out is how on earth does an anxiety girl end up even trying flying trapeze? How did that happen? Uh, I had tried it a few times at Club Med in my 20s. And again, I didn't realize that I had anxiety at the time. And I, I'm an athletic woman. So I've always liked to try different things, hiking, mountain biking, whatever it might be. I liked, I always have liked to try different things. And this was just something I saw and said, hey, that looks cool. I want to try it. And it is exhilarating. I mean, the adrenaline rush is pretty intense. I'm not an adrenaline junkie or anything like that, but it is pretty intense. So I had tried it a few times, but but only over like a 20-year period, uh, just a few times. Then when my dad died, that's when my anxiety became its worst, when I couldn't leave my home. I was crying continuously. I became afraid of everything. I mean, we can get into the details if you want us in terms of all the things that I became incredibly afraid of. And one night I was drinking a bit with my friend, and we kind of jokingly said, let's go do this, made this, you know, booked it, ended up there. And then I was so scared during the session, but afterwards I felt so good about myself that I decided, okay, let me try and do this a bit more. And I've just, I just slowly started doing it more and more. And then the last three years I've been actually quite serious about it. So, as you do the flying trapeze, and like you said, it's normal for anyone to have like, a, you know, an anticipatory response to doing that and being nervous about, you know, putting yourself out there. You say yours is stronger than the average person. You go do it over and over again. You use mantras and self-talk to help yourself through it. Is there ever a voice in your head that says like, yeah, this is fun, but who needs this? I don't need the stress today. Oh, all the time. Well, not as much anymore, but it's happening less and less because my tools and my experiences are beginning to create better and new patterns within my brain so that I don't go to that place as often or as deep. But there are many times when I'm thinking, oh, I don't want to do that trick because at this point, Sandra, half the time I'm not even attached to safety lines. It's as if, I mean, I'm not as good as Cirque du Soleil, but you know, those people aren't attached to safety lines. And at this point, lots of the stuff I do, I'm not attached. So as long as I'm attached, I can do pretty much anything and I'm not that scared. But when I'm not attached, yes, I start thinking, what am I doing? What am I doing? And depending on, I guess, what my face looks like, I guess, on depending on what I'm saying, the people that I fly with know me so well that in those moments, they can help me. They can say, Steph, you got this. You know you can do this. And a few times, some of my flying buddies have said to me, you know what, I don't think today is the right day for you to do this because they see that I'm sort of tipped on the other side and you can get hurt, right? And if you don't feel confident, you can make a bigger mistake than if you're feeling confident. So yeah, of course, I still have those moments. So the flying trapeze, in terms of your anxiety and your growth, would you say it's played a very big role? I think it saved me. It saved you. And you. It, what you mean by that, from what I understand, correct me if I'm wrong, is it kept you facing your fears over and over and over again, proving to yourself over and over again that you can do this. Yes, because you feel so, it's interesting, you feel out of control, but at the same time, very in control. And that's the lesson I learned there is that Because everything happens in a split second. You jump off that platform and you literally have, you know, 11 seconds to get yourself into a strong swing into the position and to let go and to fly into the catcher's arm. It's very fast. So you don't have a lot of time to be in your head. And that's one of the things with people who have anxiety is we're always in our head. What if, what if, what if, what if, what if? But the minute you jump off the platform, you don't have time for that. So What it's taught me is that getting at when I'm not in my head, my body knows exactly what to do, and I can trust myself to make mid-flight decisions that will keep me safe at all times. And so then that's what I've applied to my life is when I'm feeling like I'm out of control, I remind myself, but my body knows what to do. Get out of your head, Steph. You know what to do. You don't have to play those games in your mind. 
naturally you're going to find a way to make this work. I, I love that. That's, you know, again, like an incredible ability of mindfulness really and coming to living the moments. Um, you know, again, most of us do go in our heads and I love the fact that you've developed a relationship with your body where you trust your body. Yeah, and I have to tell you, you know, on top of all of this, as I was, you know, sexually abused as a child, so, you know, trusting your body <laughs> It's not exactly something that comes naturally, nor trusting other people like my teammates on the platform or a catcher when I'm throwing myself in the air and just, you know, hoping that he actually is there and he's going to catch me in the right way. Um, so it's really helped me sink into my skin in a very comfortable way. And that's just permeated throughout the rest of my life. Uh, you just mentioned, you know, another major obstacle that you faced in your life. And I guess when we come back, what I'd like to talk about is your thoughts and your advice even on people who are trying to reach for their stars and their dreams, but are hitting walls. I'd also like to know when we come back, so you'll think about it on the break, is, you know, you want to be a host and, uh, you know, I've been following you, you're doing very well. And as I told you on the break, I'm really, really happy for you. Um, but I'm sure I'm guessing, because I know that's true for me too, that there are sometimes when you do hit walls. I want to hear about that and how you make sense of that and what you do with that. How does that sound? Awesome. I'm here. All right. So let's take a short break and we'll be right back with Straight Talk with Sandra Reich. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Change your life forever with the latest cutting-edge products for home study treatment for anxiety. Featuring the clinical director of the Montreal Center for Anxiety and Depression and host of Straight Talk, Sandra Reich. Sandra is joined by top therapist Georgia Dow in this revolutionary anxiety videos therapy series. Thousands of people have benefited from this scientifically proven treatment approach. Isn't it time you chose yourself? Visit anxiety-videos.com right now. That's anxiety-videos.com and change your life forever. Join the therapist who is affectionately known as the couple whisperer, Sandra Reich, on her famous couple retreats and change your life forever. Sandra offers couple retreats in beautiful locations several times a year that can radically change your love life. Couples describe her retreats as life-changing. Regain that loving feeling. Bring your intimacy to a new level and rediscover excitement and joy. Find out more at helpforanxietydepression.com or call 514-796-4357. We all want love and safety. Now you can have it. Call 514-796-4357 or helpforanxietydepression.com. Your life, your health, your network. This is Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to Straight Talk with Sandra Reich. To connect with the program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to info at helpforanxietydepression.com. Now, back to Straight Talk. Here's Sandra Reich. I was just talking to Stephanie on the break and I'll tell you, I'll have to have her back on again because there is so much to talk about. And we were just chatting about the fact that, you know, there are so many obstacles that people face and yet there are people who make the obstacle their life story. And there's people like you, Stephanie, who don't. And uh, I know in my work, I work a lot with overcoming victim mentality. And what I often say is in order not to be a victim, you have to be a victim. And what I mean by that is you have to have grieved the victimization of your childhood or whatever years in your life it was to be able to move forward and not keep replaying it over and over again. Uh, clearly, that's what you've done. So, you know, I'm giving sort of like the psychological thought on it. I'm curious what would be your advice to people to not get caught in the victim mentality? You easily could have. Now that my story is more out there um, and I've been very open about the abuse history and the anxiety now, people will say to me, oh, you're an inspiration. First of all, that doesn't 
that seems very weird to me <laughs> to be an inspiration, but because of those stories, people say, you're inspiring me, I wish I could, and then they tell me their story. I mean, I, I don't know how to say this, in, and I don't want to sound insensitive, but I say to people, then do something different. And that's yeah. what I did. I took, I went the counterintuitive route, and that's what changed my life. And I think too often people fall into the traditional ways of coping. I'm not minimizing therapy. I think it works really well. I'm not minimizing other sorts of uh, treatments, holistic, you know, pharmaceutical, whatever people need. I would never say that people shouldn't go that route. But we can always supplement with other things. So if you're scared like, of public speaking, then you should be public speaking. Like, I just feel like we should do the thing, what we, the opposite of what we think feels natural. And that will show us how capable we are. Like flying trapeze. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, you know, yeah, I have anxiety. So I'm going to go fly through the air. I mean, it makes no sense, but that's right. exactly what healed me. Right. So stretching yourself and, you know, not using your fear response as an indication that you shouldn't be doing something. So, you know, given this, I want to come back to this idea that you being a host, which you're doing, and you tell me that's, you know, when you're about to do something live TV, um, it's very nerve wracking. Things can go wrong. You do a lot of internal dialogue. Have you hit the wall sometimes? I asked you before the break, I said, we'll talk about this. Have you been on live TV and it didn't go well? Um, or you weren't asked back and you knew it was because you didn't handle it well. And how did you deal with that? Uh, knock on wood, that hasn't happened yet. I certainly have felt that some of my performances, because that's what they're really, they really are, are on-air performances. I have felt that there are times when I'm more on than other times. Um, mm, of course. But I think from an outsider, he or she may not see all of those details that I do. And so that's one thing that I tell myself is, to the average eye, it probably looked amazing. Yes, to maybe a broadcasting coach or like the executive direct producer of, uh, you know, Rogers Media, <laughs> they might see some different things. But to the to the regular consumer, it still is good. And um, when I'm in the moment, sometimes on live TV, I'll catch myself sort of getting in my head, or I'm like, oh, my heart is beating really fast. Oh wait, my feet aren't planted properly. Oh wait, what what am I going to say? And I can like hear myself in my head. And at the same time, I'm telling myself, there's no evidence that this is not going well. All evidence has, has shown the contrary. Every time you're on, you do really well. And then I'm telling myself those other messages. It's almost like there's three voices going on, the one actually coming out of my mouth and then the two in my head. <laughs> no, I like it. I like it. You know, I often say to my clients, I'm constantly talking to myself. I know it sounds weird, but it's actually extremely important. I will shift that question a little bit to what would you do if you were doing a live show or, you know, anything that's really important in your career and you, it didn't go well. Like, how do you, do you think you could cope with that? Well, it certainly sounds like you could. I mean, I would hope that I could. I would hope that I have enough um, evolution in my sense of self. Uh, that I would be able to cope with that and that I have enough confidence where I could address it directly with whoever it is I'm with. So it's typically Derek that's interviewing me on TV. It'd be really hard to mess up with him because even if he saw me losing it, he's so skilled, he'd find a way to pull me back in. But I, I did last time I was on when I felt like I didn't do so great. I asked him about it. and He's like, really? I didn't even notice it at all. So you know, I am asking my colleagues that I'm with for feedback, and I am very honest with people if I feel that I'm not doing a good job or I'm open to uh, constructive criticism and feedback, and I think that's really the key. We're all human. We're all developing, and I think that even in our worst moments, we're all still quite good. Well, I, you know, you did mention the word honesty, and it sounds like you're very honest with yourself. And, you know, I, I often use the terminology, the good, the bad, and the ugly. It sounds like you're comfortable with the good, the bad, and the ugly. I tell people that we have all three of those in us at all times, uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly. There is a certain comfort and confidence in your voice by being so open about your own story. Um, I wanted to do this show because there are many people, we, we have many listeners, and uh, many people writing in and saying that they want to do this and they want to do that, but uh, the fear is too crippling. And I really felt that your story 
you know, I, you had said that you're surprised when you, the word inspiration is used when it comes to you, but I'm going to use it right now. Your story is inspirational. Um, you're on this journey that you want to, you're quite determined on what you want to do. And when people do hit their obstacles and they feel terrible about themselves, I heard you sort of mention, it almost sounds like you have an internal bank account of who you, your self-concept, you know, like you're okay with you. And that seems yeah, to me important. Know, Sandra, that's nice how you just said that the internal bank account. And I think, you know, where, the way that I built that, the way that I have all that extra currency in there. So if there's a, an overextension or a debit that comes in, that I have enough currency to cover it and then even replenish, it's because I'm continually challenging myself in uncomfortable situations. And it's literally changing the way I think of myself. So by being afraid twice a week on the flying trapeze and then doing amazing anyway. And then it just fills me up, you know, 20 points, let's say. After every time I fly, I've got 20 points. So then, you know, by the end of the month, you know, I'm filled up. You know, I've got yeah. 100 and, and, or 160 points built up from just flying. So if I have one bad TV appearance and 20 points are knocked off, well, I'm still good. You know, I'm still you're, way you're in the surplus. So I think... Yeah. That would be the message that I would share is put yourself in uncomfortable situations as much as you can, even for a very limited moment, even if it's for 30 seconds, and start to build up that currency. So then when you have a bad moment, you've got enough in reserve. You know, it's funny you say that, you know, like I, I divert a little bit, but I, I'm sure you'll see the relevance. You know, we went as a family to Clip and Climb, which is like a, a like a rock climbing kind of place um, a couple weekends ago. And you probably wonder why am I telling you this story, but it's quite relevant. Um, my kids, young kids, you know, they started to climb and they like immediately, almost immediately hit fear. And they were like, no, I want to come down. And I was that mother and, you know, people were looking at me because I was like, okay, guys, like try a little bit more, you know, to two more notches. And you could tell people were looking at me like, what kind of insensitive mother are you pushing your kids? Anyways, long story short, they pushed themselves and they were so proud of themselves and they ultimately got to the top. So I was talking to my husband about it because even he was looking at me a little strangely. And I was saying that it's so important what you said to go out of the comfort zone. Even as parents, we want to rescue our kids from ever feeling uncomfortable. Do you agree that that's not, I mean, you know, psychology certainly supports that it is not good for kids to be rescued from anything that's uncomfortable. What does Stephanie Erickson say about that? I agree 100%. And I've been to Clip and Climb with my kids. So I know what you're talking (laughs) about. But, you know, my son also has anxiety. And he's really been instrumental in being my teacher because, I've had to explain anxiety and body reactions and pushing yourself in very simple terms because his anxiety started when he was three. Now he's 10 and obviously he can express himself a lot differently, but I had to find many ways to explain it. And in turn, it helped me and it helped me model for him what he should be doing. And now he inspires me because he pushes himself beyond his own capabilities or what he thinks he's capable of all the time. And he inspires me. And I think that I do the same for my kids. And I think it's super important that when our kids are having a bad day or whatever it might be, that we let them sit in their junk and figure things out on their own. Otherwise, how are they going to cope with the rest of their life? And and yes, we can respect their limits. There are certainly times when my son will say, Stop Enough. pushing me. This is the most I can do. And then I could say, absolutely. I just wanted to make sure you were giving it your all. And then I can support that. But don't yeah. start by saying I'm not capable. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly it. And, um, you know, encouraging people in general to stretch. And also, like you very well said, understanding when it's a bad day and you cannot stretch. But maybe not automatically letting our children or, you know, ourselves right away go back to that warm bath water, which I call the comfort zone. Because the comfort zone is, I always call it a warm bath. Like, it's its warm. It's nice. But I'm not going anywhere with the comfort zone. Yeah, exactly. Well, for I don't like warm baths. So that analogy already wants to get me pushing myself forward because I don't <laughs> like baths. But it's true. I mean, we're not going to do, we're not going to ever, well, maybe we would, but I feel like, 
the best path to evolving as human beings, as a mother, as a businesswoman, as a wife, as a friend, daughter, sister, whatever, is for me to continuously try something new and, and go beyond what I think my abilities are. And what I'm learning over time is that I'm, I can do and I am more capable than I ever thought I was five years ago. I mean, it's, yeah. to me, when I, when I can step back and look at my life and look at the last five years and get, like, gain that like, uh, time perspective, I'm like, holy cow. I cannot believe five years ago, like, I wouldn't leave my house. This is crazy. It's incredible. You know, it's it's, it's great. And, and definitely a testimony to feel the fear and do it anyways. And I, I think that's the clip and climb example as well, is they felt the fear. They did it anyways. They felt great. Stephanie Erickson felt the fear, and she does it anyways. Would you agree? Like, that's almost like should be your tagline. Stephanie Erickson felt the yeah, fear and did it anyways. Uh, you know, yeah. I, and I actually say that to my to my son. Uh, my my daughter pushes herself a bit differently. I don't really have to say much. She kind of tries stuff anyway. But my son often is like, "Oh, mommy, I'm scared." I'm like, "Yep, yeah, that makes sense. We're on a boat." Yeah. 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 But uh, what if the boat flips? I'm like, "Well, let's talk it through." And then we go through it. And I'm like, "Well, we're going to do it anyway." He's like, "Yeah, yeah. But I'm scared." I'm like, "Yeah, I know." And I'm going to hold your hand, but we're doing it anyway. And I and I say that a lot to him. And then at the end, he's like, "Wow, that was the most amazing boat ride." Absolutely. Yeah, and imagine how we not tried it. And I think so, that's the bottom really line. Important. I mean, at the end, at the end of the boat ride, if he's not happy, or if my kids were like, "I can't believe you did that to me," then clearly that wasn't an effective strategy. But at the end, if they're feeling like so empowered, the proof is really in the pudding. So I think that's a very important point. Yeah, but you know what, Sandra? Even because we did stand up paddleboarding, and he was really nervous to do it. This was just on our last vacation, and. We did it anyway, and at the end, he was he was capable, and I don't think he was afraid at the end, but at the end, he was like, you see, I didn't like it. I told you I would not like it, and I said, well, it's so amazing that at 10 years old, you already know something that you don't like, and you never have to do it again. Awesome. Yeah. Great information yeah. for you to know. That's, you know that's it doesn't delicious. necessarily have to be negative if at, at the end, you realize, nope, that was a bit too far. Okay, good. That's good for you to know. Now you know next time. So. Key, key point is he tried. Key point is he tried, yeah. and I think that's what it's all about. Look, we're going to take a short break, but I want to talk when we come back um, about what do you say to people who question why a licensed social worker would consider pursuing a change in her career. I mean, it is a, quite a change. So let's take a short break. We'll be right back on Straight Talk with Sandra Reich. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Join the therapist who is affectionately known as the couple whisperer, Sandra Reich, on her famous couple retreats and change your life forever. Sandra offers couple retreats in beautiful locations several times a year that can radically change your love life. Couples describe her retreats as life-changing. Regain that loving feeling. Bring your intimacy to a new level and rediscover excitement and joy. Find out more at helpforanxietydepression.com or call 514-796-4357. We all want love and safety. Now you can have it. Call 514-796-4357 or helpforanxietydepression.com. Change your life forever with the latest cutting-edge products for home study treatment for anxiety. Featuring the clinical director of the Montreal Center for Anxiety and Depression and host of Straight Talk, Sandra Reich. Sandra is joined by top therapist Georgia Dow in this revolutionary anxiety videos therapy series. Thousands of people have benefited from this scientifically proven treatment approach. Isn't it time you chose yourself? Visit anxiety-videos.com right now. That's anxiety-videos.com and change your life forever. Your life, your health, your network. Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to Straight Talk with Sandra Reich. To connect with the program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to info at helpforanxietydepression.com. Now, back to Straight Talk. Here's Sandra Reich. This time, the time is just racing by with Stephanie Erickson. She's a really fascinating woman, and 
and crisp and clear and and just great advice. And it's it's such a passionate topic for me. Uh, it's you know I believe in reaching for the stars. I end the show every week on reaching for the stars. It's a theme song in my life to reach for the stars. And I think that this conversation has gone off on a few interesting tangents: anxiety, how it impacts self-talk. The clip and climb story, we were just talking on the break. I want to make sure that it's clear that it's very important when you're pushing your kids or yourself that you are validating what they're feeling. So it's not like, oh, you baby, go a little further. It's I completely understand that you're afraid right now. This is scary. You're on a high, you know, clip and climb or whatever it is, rock climbing. Um But maybe we can try a little bit more. And I think Stephanie did talk about that her internal dialogue is not being a bully to herself, but it is pushing a little bit. Is that right? Yeah, that's exactly right. And that's exactly what I do with my kids. But just, you know, I don't know if you want me to talk more about myself. I mean, I don't say to myself, God, you know, what's what's wrong with me? I'm so stupid. Why won't I do this trick? Why aren't I doing this? Why do I feel nervous? Yes, I'm a human. There are moments when I go there, but again, my, you know, reserve bank is is high, so I can quickly move myself out of that. It's taken time, but I I move out quicker. But I usually will say to myself, "Well, I should be afraid. This would be a normal response." Wow, great! My body is giving me really good information. It's right on target. This is new to me. It's potentially dangerous or not, but it, it just being new makes me feel a bit uncomfortable. Okay, I know that feeling. And I remember that when I feel uncomfortable at the end, I'm always okay. And then I just sort of talk my way through it and try, and I try really hard to love myself as I'm going through those moments. I will tell you, Sandra, I'm much better at doing that with my kids than I am with myself, but that's probably normal. Sometimes we're better to others than we are to ourselves. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Although our kids sort of encourage us to do it for ourselves because they tend to watch what we do to ourselves more than what we say to them. That's for sure. It's almost like this show, we seem to be on the same page about discomfort being definitely your close friend. The show is about overcoming obstacles to reach your dreams. And we keep coming back to the fact that discomfort is your friend. It's not your enemy. But having the correct internal dialogue is extremely important. It is still kind and loving. It is definitely one that's supportive. It's still one that does not take you into warm bathwater, as I said. Now, Stephanie, given that you you know were in a, a career that you were comfortable in, um, I don't think you were in fear as a licensed social worker. You had mentioned that you were, you know, you are and you were quite good at it. You decide to change careers and become a host. What do you say to people that say, and, you know, in life, people do say things like this, like you have a good career. What, why do you have to move on to something else? Like why, why do you have to keep pushing it? Yeah. Well, I am still a practicing social worker. I am still a clinical social worker. And I imagine that I'll always do some of it. Um, but when people say that to me, partic- particularly family, like parents and grandparents, like, oh, you went and got your, you know, your degree and your whatever, your master's after all that hard work. And then I just reframe it. I say, yeah, imagine for 25 years, I've been honing my interviewing skills and learning ways to connect with people and feel compassion and feel empathy, active listening, and then turning around and summarizing them, their stories succinctly. All those skills are transferable to what I want to do. Nothing is lost or wasted. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think that what you have a quite a good skill at doing is, like you just said, connecting the dots. Like the social career led to the next thing, leads to the next thing, hopefully leads to Dancing with the Stars. Um, in my life, <laughs> I talk often on the radio, you know, I was a bartender. I took a part-time job as a bartender, ended up being a bartender for 22 years. Never thought that was going to happen. It was almost my whole adult life. Who would have thought that definitely set the stage for going into the field of psychology? I mean, people would come in and tell me their problems over drinks. It's almost the same job, just a different environment. But it's 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 working with what is and also turning those obstacles into possibly good situations, which I think that you have done consistently in your life over and over and over again. Is there anything? Yeah, and, and even Sorry, in terms ahead. of my career, I mean... I can still help people, and that's all I've ever wanted to do. Like you, Sandra, when you were talking about it in the opening of the show, that it's because of all of the obstacles that you experience was what makes you a really good therapist. And I, I think that's the same for me as a social worker, but that also can be the same for me as a host, because what I want to do is still spread 
kindness and compassion and inspiration and have meaningful stories. Uh, and that's still helping people. It's just in a, in a different way. Yeah, I, and I, I love that. And I do follow a lot of the work you do. And it's quite obvious that that's woven in all your interviews and all the things that you do. And uh, it's for that reason I really wanted you on the show. It really is lovely. Very quickly, we're just about out of time. Is there anything in your life that you would honestly say you still avoid? Um, still avoid. I think food, um, my diet is, is limited. I do eat and I eat a variety of things and more than before, but that is the ultimate sense of control and anxiety is about feeling out of control, but we can always control what goes into our mouth no matter what. And that is still something I'm not experimenting with different foods and restaurants in the way in my mind that I would envision myself to do. I still get caught up a bit in that. That was really honest. Do you want to stretch in that area? Do you foresee yourself stretching in that area? I do. It, you know, there are things that I've introduced into my diet now that I didn't, you know, five years ago. Um, now I'm more willing to go out to restaurants. I always have these these thoughts that if I go to a restaurant, I'm going to get food poisoning, which, by the way, has never happened. So it's completely not based in any reality. It's just that anxiety in my head. Um, but I am, I am trying more and more to do it. My husband is incredibly supportive about it. So what we'll do is we'll go to a restaurant and he'll say, what would you like to experiment and try? I'll order it. And then you order something safe for yourself. Then the two meals come because he'll eat anything. The two meals come. I'll try the more experimental one. And if I can do it, then he'll say, great, you eat that and I'll just eat the other one. So he's lovely that way. Amazing. Great teamwork there. Where are you in yeah. five years from now? In a, in a, in a sentence or two. I have my own TV show. I'm a host, but I have a rotating uh, crew of panelists, like, for example, Sandra Reich, and we bring <laughs> out stories of compassion, love, inspiration, and healing. Amazing. You, you really are a very <laughs> special woman, Stephanie. People are going to want to connect with you. You mentioned your TEDx talk. Where can they find that? Where can they find you? Tell us every which way people can find you. Well, of course, on all the social media, Instagram at Steph Erickson host. I have a Facebook page, which says media commentator, family caregiving expert. Of course, people can find me on LinkedIn and Twitter. I think I'm at Sam Care Expert. And the, um, the TEDx talk, where can they find that? Uh, on any, well, you can just Google, go on YouTube and Google my name. Or, but you can also go, oh, I also have a YouTube channel. So that's probably the best thing is go to my YouTube channel, Stephanie Erickson. Uh, there are other Stephanie Erickson's, but you'll eventually find my channel and uh, all of my media appearances, TEDx, everything is on that channel. Well, definitely go check that out. Stephanie, it's been an incredible pleasure to have you on today. And I definitely think we're going to have to have you back because I have a lot more I want to talk to you about. Uh, thank you so much for joining us on Straight Talk. My pleasure, Sandra. Thanks. Um, I'd like to also thank our listeners from all over the world for listening to Straight Talk with Sandra Reich, and I'd like to invite you all to come back next week. Um, don't forget to check out our Facebook page, straighttalksandareach.com, or you can check out our website, helpforanxietydepression.com. Feel free to leave a comment for Stephanie or myself. Anytime you're there, we'll be happy to get back to you. You can listen to this show and any prior show as a podcast on my website, on the podcast app of your iPhone and iTunes under Straight Talk with Sandra Reich. If you're a professional and you're looking for keynote speakers or training on any of these topics, just get in touch with us anytime, info at helpforanxietydepression.com. My name is Sandra Reich, and I do promise I'll help you learn to live your best life again next Thursday, same time, same channel. And on behalf of Stephanie, as well as myself, in the meanwhile, keep your eyes on the stars. Thank you for listening to Straight Talk with Sandra Reich. We hope you've enjoyed today's show and we'll tune in again next Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Now, go live your best life.